three furry and winged beasts fused together by American nuclear blasts. It's Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. I just realized that there's a clock right beside this ticking, and I don't know if you can hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. We're trying our best still, Alex, to stay alive. (laughs) Unfortunately, our intros aren't staying very alive. Should we reintroduce ourselves? I'm Eric. I'm the uh, film nerd slash snob. We like to call ourselves cinephiles, Alex. Ah, is that what they want to call themselves? <laughs> I call them. No, never mind. I was going to say something bad. <laughs> yeah, and, it's and, a family show. Yeah, it's a family Alex. show. Uh, and then they, <laughs> I'm Alex, and I am a uh, monster movie fan who's dragged Eric along on this journey, and now he is maybe gotten in too deep. <laughs> no, I don't know about that, Alex. Just because I watch Gamera in my free time doesn't mean I'm in too deep, Alex. And you were just asking me about Ultra Q and how you could <laughs> an Ultraman and where to start. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But I, it's research, man. It's, it's for the podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. Last time I saw you, you were like scratching your ne- neck like you were addicted to crack or something. <laughs> yeah we're not we're not live in the studio at the nearly living room studio this week alex so you can't see me you know itching for more <laughs> no no it's probably a good thing so you watched this movie twice this week alex i did i did i the reason i did it is because i watched the first hour and it was like really late and i got too tired so i just went to bed and i finished it the last 40 uh, the next morning, I believe it was, and it was awesome. But then I was like, "Well, am I judging? Am I judging this wrong? Because I saw the slower half first, and then the like bonkers last forty minutes. So I felt like it was the right thing for me to do to rewatch it. So I watched like the first hour, and then I turned the channel for New Year's Eve to turn to New Year's Day for the ball drop. So I turned the channel for five minutes, watched the ball drop, then switched it back to Godzilla. And watch the last 40 minutes. <laughs> and you call me the addict, Alex. <laughs> Good point. But actually, it, it, it uh, solidified my feelings on the movie. So I'm glad nice. I checked it out a second time, though. Well, let's get into it. Kazuki Amori returns to the series with Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah is to Heisei what Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, was to Showa. It introduced off-the-wall elements that broke barriers as to what these films could be. Whereas Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, introduced aliens and space evaders, Amori here introduces time travel, androids, and a new Godzilla origin story. With one of the biggest budgets afforded to these films, the questions remain, Alex. Does the series start to unravel when the plot encounters time travel? (laughs) I think that you could argue that it's that it is a little too much, but I actually really like it. It's something that we haven't really seen yet, and the ideas in this film feel like something directly from the Showa era, just with a better production value. And I think it provides a really goofy backdrop 
to this wild film where a lot of people change between good and bad, Godzilla included, which <laughs> I'll go into more later, but there's some really cool ideas in this thing. What about you? Yeah, this is a, this is a movie of wild ideas. <laughs> it's definitely ambitious. You have to give it that, you know. Um, I had a lot of fun overall with this film. Does the plot work? I don't know. <laughs> um, what's up with this new Godzilla origin story? I'm not so sure, but... Uh, I you know I had to go online and I watched Wikazilla's YouTube video explanation of the plot of the time travel to make sense of it all, and that video did a fantastic job at explaining the plot. But I'm I'm still like just watching the movie itself. I think I'm still left scratching my head. Um, did you get the plot the first time that you watched this, uh, or did you need that Wikazilla explanation? <laughs> yeah. It has that has to be the the weakest point is the plot, right? Well. Yeah, I would say probably so. Anytime time travel is involved in a film, everyone's going to be pointing at it being like, that's not how it works, or that's how it works, but this doesn't work. And there's like a million different variables because, well, at this point, time travel isn't really real. You mean there are no real time travel experts, Alex? Well, (laughs) there's no real time travel experts, but there's a ton of theories, and a lot of theories grounded in a lot of what we know about physics. But really... Time travel is a theory. So, like, this film delves a lot into specific theories, mostly regarding going back, changing things, and returning to your current timeline with your memories intact, while also certain things changing, but that they don't affect Mm -hmm. you, which is is really a bizarre theory. Most of them, you can change something, but if you go back, you go to an alternate universe where nothing really changed. Okay, I'm getting in the weeds. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, though. That's relevant. That's actually relevant to this film, right? They they change, or they, at least they, they it was what I, they, I, thought, they, I thought they changed the, the, the future, but then the kind of the Wikizilla article says, no, they didn't actually change, like, the 1954 Godzilla. Um, and so, no, you're right, and their memories aren't altered in any way, shape, or form. So it's an interesting sort of theory that's brought to this film on how time travel can work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it is kind of a, it's a weird mess because some things do alter like Godzilla, not actually happening again or something like that. I don't know. It's all a mess. And then, but that's the problem with time travel in general is it's a mess because no one knows how it actually works. So, but it's also kind of the fun of it because it gives you free reign to just do whatever the heck you want. It's just a matter of, Right. Not making it feel like a mess, which it does sound like it was. It felt that way a little bit to you. Yeah, a, a little bit. But I will say I did enjoy that Wikizilla YouTube video. It put things in perspective. But the plot really didn't bring the film down for me. Just because the ideas were wild <laughs> and and it was just so ambitious, like we've never done this before. I was expecting, I was expecting uh, this film to be a little bit more wild than uh the last two Heisei films. But now, I, I, like, I come to expect this. Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, I was a little bit, like, whenever that happened in the Showa era, that took things in a different direction. And if you remember, I was a little bit hesitant about this new direction. Here, it's like, these are, these are the type of off-the-wall elements that we've grown accustomed to, and so I'm okay with it. You know, like this is part of the Godzilla franchise. We're going to go off the wall. We're going to have some kind of weird plot elements. That's okay. Let's look at the other P 
pieces of substance in the film. And so that's what I focused on. I didn't let the plot hinder my experience. Yeah, and and I felt the same way. But it does have a little uh, some other oddities though, like the Godzilla Saurus origin. It's a little odd. It kind of retcons something that we've thought about Godzilla as it being being this ancient monster because they find the trilobites and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of retcons a little bit that now he's just a big dinosaur, which I actually like the design. Like it's not quite a T-Rex, but it's also not quite Godzilla. But the way it plays out, it actually works in some really cool ways down the line. And there's some interesting payoffs uh, with a lot of the decisions in the film. And I really, I really like this one. I think the first hour is a great setup for an insane final 40 minutes, like I said. And there's all these, like, oh, snap moments, I guess. <laughs> like, we're like, uh, I believe it was Shindo is the head of the Tayo Corporation, correct? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he takes that big L, right? So he <laughs> he, meet, he meets Godzilla in the past and kind of chalks it up to fate, almost like he's a deity yeah. coming to help. But he also yes. vaguely references that, Maybe he was the defending his territory, but either way, he was a big help. And then mm-hmm. Godzilla comes to Tokyo, changed from all the time travel sh- shenanigans, but he still saw Shindo in the past. Remember this. He still saw Shindo in the past. So yeah. when he does, when he gets to Tokyo, he the one person he sees is Shindo. And he takes a moment, and he blinks a couple of times with his little animatronic eyes, and he fires an atomic blast directly at him, but... But then, not only kills Shindo, which like in this like it's like a really cool moment actually, like where he's like kind of just giving himself to fate. But then Godzilla kills him and destroys the entire building that he worked to create. And <laughs> so it's like this weird full circle thing, which we see with yes. some of the characters and especially Godzilla. Uh, and we also get like the Mega King Ghidorah reveal, which is just super cool. And we also get that Futurians moment where. They're getting ready to be automatically transported to the future uh, due to like a, a failsafe. And instead, our heroes teleport them right in front of Godzilla and he blows them up. Which is which is like a really cool idea. I actually really <laughs> that like cool. that. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think for all of like the mishmashing of ideas and like all these like weird routes it, it could go, it really works. And it feels like a film that wouldn't work, but it does. And then we also get a Ifakube back with those beautiful themes. But one of my favorite was that he brought that theme from Destroy All Monsters back. That yeah. like hurry up and pan, like that panic countdown music yeah. Um, yeah. from, from uh, our boys at the SY3. And <laughs> it's just like, it's nice. And it plays a lot during this movie. So if you like that theme, you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> right. No, you're right. But two things, Alex. Yeah, I like what you said about coming full circle there. Um, it does feel like lots of this film is about coming full circle. And part of that also ties in with that time travel element as well. You know, Shindo doesn't go on that time travel quest, but he's a part of it. And part of that time travel piece does come full circle with that character. I'll talk about him in a little bit, but also I think um, like if, if I've got my, my story straight, there's actually two Godzillas now, right? There's the Godzilla from the 1954 pick, which is destroyed by the oxygen destroyer. But then the Godzilla Saurus origin, which you mentioned, I don't think it's retconning. What yeah, happened you're before. right. You're right. It's, this is a new Godzilla creature. Right. So I think there's two different Godzilla creatures happening. And this Godzilla creature that was created from this dinosaur was the one in the return of Godzilla and 
Godzilla versus Biollante. No, you're right? you're you're one hundred percent right, and and that's something I'd kind of forgotten because the first two uh, movies of the Heisei era. God, I hate saying it that way. Heisei era, <laughs> you know, it's correct. Um, the first two films of the Heisei era don't mention anything about the original Godzilla dying. So even though I knew this before we even started, I've kind of forgotten about it. And so, yeah, you're making a good point that they didn't really reckon anything. Right. And, and you, uh, you mentioned Ifakube's score and there were really, there were a couple moments for me where the music really helped underscore what was happening on the screen. You know, when Godzilla Saurus destroys the American soldiers, there was that understated Godzilla theme. It was like you could you could hear the hint of that Godzilla theme, yes. but it didn't quite get to that full on theme that we're accustomed to. Just like Godzilla Saurus isn't the full Godzilla that we're used to. It was small little touches like that that really stood out to me in this movie, Alex. But speaking of that scene, <laughs> what did you think about that scene? I know some critics, you know, in America have claimed that this film features anti American rhetoric partially because of the scene where Godzilla Saurus destroys all the American soldiers. Do you think that's the case, Alex? No, but I have seen that criticism a lot too. And a lot of reviews from the time, especially cite anti-American, but I didn't really see anything that I would say is anti-American. I've been thinking back on the film after seeing it, even the second time and thinking kind of from their point of view. And I could say some of the military stuff could maybe be, uh, anti-American, especially since they make them look like complete idiots. The, man, those those lines of dialogue are Dude, they're <laughs> something tr- else. They're some of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. But it's even worse than like kiss you guys. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think the bulk of the argument lies with the evil time travelers fighting on behalf of the rest of the world against Japan. Since they are all white, except for uh, the Japanese ambassador, I guess, uh, yeah. is what they called her. Except for her, and they all speak English and Japanese, they could be perceived as American. But mm-hmm. it's pretty explicitly stated that they're working on behalf of the rest of the world to equalize power within all the nations. So yeah. even that isn't quite American. So... I don't really buy it. And also in 1991, relations between America and Japan were really good. So there's no like cultural subtext to it. And the trade disputes that were causing issues were no longer an issue. So so I think maybe Amori could have those sentiments, though. The only reason I say that is because he's written two Godzilla movies. Both of the times, I'm putting quotes, Americans are the bad guys. Because... They weren't that. Yes, they've been American, I guess, but they haven't been associated with America, the nation. Right. right. So I don't buy it, but I also kind of I can see where someone got it, but I think you're grasping at straws when you say that. I would say that this film is more about power and how power can be misplaced. So we see that with some of the characters, especially like Shino and the Tayo group, who have access to nuclear weapons. This is a corporation that has nukes, which is a big deal. <laughs> And yeah. Japan is also having its future power removed. We also see Godzilla has his power removed and gained. And we see the Dorats even get power and become King Ghidorah. It's, uh, it, I think the it's Dorats, all about power. dude. The Dorats are the original Porgs, I've decided. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're pretty horrible, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I don't, 
really believe this film is anti-American either. Um, I would actually say it's pro-Japanese, pro-Japan, um, which I can't complain about considering most of the films we watch, Alex, are just full of American exceptionalism over and over again. And we've never thought too much about it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, this is just what we've watched. So it's like an American critic watching this movie, seeing America not portrayed in a bad light, but just not in a good light. They're like, oh, this film is anti-American. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think you're right. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's kind of what how I felt about it. I thought it was pro-Japan and just not anti-American. Um, but how about the characters in this film, Alex? There's so many characters that could steal the show. Um, but Amori does a good job at balancing the characters and finding the right tone between them, I thought. Um, mm-hmm. First off, we've got Terasawa. You know, he's our main protagonist, the writer who only wants to write the human nonfiction stories. But, you know, in the course of him writing and ending up writing supernatural stories, the supernatural journeys of this UFO, time travel, giant monsters. It's so yeah. ironic that through these supernatural stories, he ends up getting the most human stories, right? right. It's like the more otherworldly it feels, the more human they actually are. Um <laughs> I also really love that he forms a strong bond with Emmy. It might be a little creepy (laughs) because, of course, the last thing she says to him is, oh, yeah, I'm your great, great granddaughter. (laughs) Well, no, the good thing is, is she says that, but I don't think he hears it. So it's probably for Uh, the best that he just never realizes this. (laughs) (laughs) But I tell you what, though, Emmy, Emmy has to be one of the standout heroines of this series yeah she's cool she is really cool as the pilot of the mecha king Ghidorah, which turns out to be a good guy (laughs) i knew mecha king Ghidorah existed but i didn't realize he was this repurposed form driven by this female bad a right (laughs) that was coming to you know stop godzilla that was pretty awesome and a a twist i didn't see coming yeah I, i really like it when they switch the roles like that it's always really cool. So I had forgotten Mecha King Ador was a good guy. And then that happened. I was like, oh, man. Like, this is. We got a lot of that this movie where someone. You think they're a good guy, then they're a bad guy. Not that we ever bought the Futurians as good guys, but <laughs> they pretend to be good guys and they're bad guy. Godzilla's a bad guy, good guy, bad guy. Is it, <laughs> right. It, it's really cool. It, it makes it really fun to kind of digest the rest of that wild plot. In a way, but I, I do think that I think the incestuous vibes were a nice like Star Wars reference, maybe. <laughs> like, I, I'm with you that that reveal was really weird, and I think the design of Ghidorah is stellar and one of the best monsters we've seen. The Heisei era has really provided us with awesome monster designs. Yeah, for and sure. I, I'm excited to see what else we have. Uh, and I think the fight at the, in the last 40 minutes, especially the one that takes place in, I believe they're in Tokyo, where there's all these tall buildings and like the Godzilla and Mecha King Ghidorah are just going all out. And there's a point where Mecha King Ghidorah even uses a skyscraper as a weapon and drops it, the top half of it, onto Godzilla. And then you get like this anime-ish moment where Godzilla's buried in rubble. Emmy is like approaching with Mecha King Ghidorah slowly to like verify the kill, I guess. And then he just lets out an atomic blast from the rubble before you can even see him come up. And it's awesome. And he just like gets that direct hit of Mecha King Ghidorah. I really, 
I know I've said it, but I really like this last 40 minutes of this movie. <laughs> yeah, the last, I mean, the last 40 minutes are great. I, I could see where some would potentially criticize it for uneven pacing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like so much happens in that last 40 minutes. It's a little hard to keep track of, but no, I'm right there with you. I, I mean, what do you think of the themes in this film, Alex? You mentioned power before. Was there any other themes that stood out to you? I think it's kind of like you said, it's it's almost like patriotism. Like Japan needs to take care of their own. Like we've been through the references in World War II. Shindo is even, he believes it's his destiny to rebuild Japan after all the things that have happened to him. Mm-hmm. After they've been attacked yeah. by Godzilla, all these other attacks by Godzilla now. And he feels it's his destiny to rebuild the, the place. But really... I have settled on power being my favorite motif of the movie. Mm. I really like how many people gain gain and lose power, who all changes sides. Like all of that is really for me been a surprise because I, I haven't expected something like that from a Godzilla film in a while. No, that was that was really cool. I thought I think you're right on with the the power motif and the switches of power that happen. So often, like M11, <laughs> M11 is, take his character, he's the plot of Terminator 1 and 2 put together, I think, right? Like, he is. 100%. And then he, becomes, um, and then he becomes a computer at the end where he's just a, a yeah. spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this, just thinking about the themes of this film, Alex, um, I like the time travel plot. I think it's a little weak in its execution, but the idea in principle is awesome. And I'm a sucker for a good time travel mind bender. I think of movies like Primer, uh, Predestination, even Donnie Darko, right? Yeah. To name a few. These are movies that I've, I've come to enjoy for their time travel elements. And one of the things that they do is they force you to ask questions about yourself. They have the potential to blow your mind, but they also make you consider the consequences of your current actions on your future self and your future life. So I enjoyed that this film was brave enough to pose some of these questions. So consider this. I wish I wish they would have done more to, to explore those questions, but at least they posed them. So consider this, Alex. What would actually happen to Japan in this fictional universe, of course? What would actually happen to Japan if Godzilla was eliminated from its history? Would they actually be the same country? Um, I do think, as you mentioned, this question is explored a little bit in Shindo. He benefits from that supernatural intervention of Godzillasaurus and uses that intervention to benefit himself and Japan's economy when he comes back, right? Um, but of course, what ends up happening, <laughs> his life is ended by Godzilla. It comes full circle, as you mentioned before. It's almost as if Amori is asking the viewer to take a more stoic view on one's fate and accept what life has in front of you, both the good and the bad, just celebrating life's joys and sorrows along the way. Huh. Interesting. It, it's something about, there's it's, it's something I can't quite put my finger on, but I think you speaking about everything coming full circle, there might be something with the power and people turning. There, there's something complex going on in this movie, and I don't think I've quite figured it out, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you, and, and I didn't catch some of the things until the second viewing, kind of like the uh, 
the Godzilla source theme being so similar to Godzilla's, I didn't catch that till my second viewing. Yeah. And I think this movie is actually surprisingly deep, uh, <laughs> which I didn't really expect, especially from something with Mecha King Ghidorah in it. It's either deep or it's very surface level, and we're overthinking it, Alex. <laughs> it's also, it's also which a is very possible. But I think, I think Amori is pretty talented, and so yeah. I think with him, we're not reading too deep into things. I think Amori's talented too. I think he comes back as a writer. Yes, if I'm not mistaken, he writes a, a lot of the other. rest of the movies. Well, Alex, it is now time to move into a new segment. All right, so we're going to kind of alternate our segments here. Next week, we'll do our Monsterpiece Theater and reveal the winner from our first Monsterpiece Theater. We'll alternate that with the Theometer. And then this week, Alex, we've got a new segment called We Got That Wrong. It should be called You Got That Wrong because I've never messed anything up. (laughs) Yes, Alex is perfect. He never makes mistakes. So this is really just a segment for me, the newbie of the series. (laughs) Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) yeah you can't blame me right like i I know nothing alex well i've been telling you to say hasai instead of heisei so yes so there's the first thing we got wrong is we've been calling the heisei era the hasai era for 17 episodes which if we're being real (laughs) which one sounds cooler eric Hasai. <laughs> but that's all right. But, you know, the reality is, Alex, we're, we're just, we're not experts by any means. We're watching these movies as fans. Um, and I would, you know, call us relatively, we're pretty casual fans. Yes. You know, as I said before, I'm a cinephile who is finding surprising admiration in these films, um, despite the limitations placed on them. So we're, we're fans and, really pretty casual fans who really just kind of can get into them and enjoy these films, but do expect us to make mistakes. And so that's what this segment is for. We will make mistakes, but when you correct us, we'll fix them. (laughs) Yeah. Right, Alex. So what was the, what was the first mistake that we caught? Uh, This one was so in, in Godzilla versus Gigan, we incorrectly said that Gingo, the main character and our protagonist Tomoko were related. But in reality, they're just dating. And I think we got, you know, oh, I see. Hashtag, we got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> is this a, is, are we going to try to make this trend that we are making mistakes, Eric? <laughs> that Alex and Eric are making mistakes on the Monsters vs. Ben podcast. Yes. What about, there was another mistake that we made, Alex, from Destroy All Monsters. Uh, and yeah. Gigan. I made what was this that? one. I made this one. Um, so... This one was that Godzilla versus Gigan takes place before Destroy All Monsters, which I didn't know. I thought all these movies took place one after the other. So they're sequential in their release and timeline, but it turns out that Godzilla versus Gigan takes place before Destroy All Monsters, which is why King Ghidorah is still alive in it. And that explains one of my gripes. <laughs> well, that I mean, I do think that's a, a valid point. Both of these points, by the way, I sh- we should give credit where credit is due, Alex. These come from David from the Kaiju Apostle podcast, uh, who's also just, he's been a very loyal listener and has helped us out along the way. Nerd. If you're interested in, <laughs> <laughs> if you're interested in a, just a different take on some of these films, I would definitely check out the Kaiju Apostle podcast. They're good guys over there. Um, 
And I would definitely recommend that one. Yeah. But we know we make plenty of mistakes and we're sure we've, we've seen it. the Godzilla fan base will have plenty to tell us how we're wrong, especially <laughs> yes. especially if you watch the Showa era showdown or you listen to the Showa era showdown and you heard us call the Hasai or the Heisei era, the Hasai era about 17 times and we're <laughs> banging your, your head against the wall each time. Yeah. Send us a message on Twitter. Email us, mvmpod at gmail.com. We'd love to give you credit for fixing our mistakes. <laughs> I like it. Yep. Oh. All right, Alex. Now that we've gotten our mistakes out of the way, we've eaten our humble pie. Mm-hmm. It's time for our awards. Yeah. and the, Oh, yeah. And there's plenty of mistakes to find, by the way. I see them every week when I go through the episodes. I just have to leave them in there sometimes. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> All right. Alex, so your your uh, coolest character award this week. Yeah, and I was looking at our notes, and you had gotten your stuff in before me, and you had already predicted who mine was. Yes. So <laughs> I'm going to have to go with M11. I mean, I don't know how you couldn't, because A, it's our first Android. Actually, that may not be true. but <laughs> Mistake. You yeah, got that I know, wrong. Maybe a mistake. <laughs> we've had, because we've had, I'm wondering, were the Zillions Androids, or were they like, because they were a computer operator, right? Uh, or cyborgs, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Don't correct me on that. Anyway, so we get M11, and he's this android. But he also has like this bit of personality, even though he tries to act robotic in most scenes. I think it's interesting, but we get a really good glimpse of his uh, personality when he's being pursued by the time travelers after, after he's had that personality change, and now he's a good guy. And they're beating, they're chasing him, and he's he runs through these pylons, and they go and look, and he's not there. And it turns out he climbed up on top of one of the pylons, and he just says he says something to the effect of like surprise, and he just shoots all of them, murders everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And also, he oddly pretty much has the same exact arc as Godzilla, where he but is in reverse. He's a good guy. He, he seems like he's a good guy. He becomes a bad yeah. guy. And then he becomes a good guy at the end. <laughs> and then, bonus, he becomes a spaceship at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you could say he's the yin to Godzilla's yang. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I love about him is, yeah, he becomes the good guy, bad guy, good guy. But he never changes his personality. No. Right? Like, it's always he's the still, same. He's still kind of creepy the entire film. <laughs> yeah. He has yeah. that creepy smile that scares me a little bit. <laughs> he is. And apparently, he had the, I was looking him up. Uh because he hadn't really done anything else for the most part. He's died of some small like background roles since this uh-huh. movie. But he's pretty popular in Godzilla fandom. Like he's even has a uh, fan movie made with him and I think he fights uh, Jet Jaguar in it. I'm trying to find oh, it man. online. It's kind of hard to find. But yeah. That's awesome. Well, I figured you would go with M11. So I'm actually going to go with Shindo, who we've already mentioned several times. I just I love his story arc here. And of course, the end is memorable, you know, but there's a genuine respect and emotion. I think that Shindo feels towards the Godzilla Saurus, the dinosaur that saved him. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this genuine, that same appreciation, that same respect is felt towards Godzilla even before he's about to be destroyed. Our Shindo's about to be destroyed. Um, yes. And, you know, I think that's why he keeps the secret for so long is, is out of respect for this thing that saved his life. Um, of course, I think Shindo realizes that he wouldn't have been in the position of power that he was in, speaking of power, without that dinosaur. 
So I just yeah. think he's an interesting character who really reflects a lot of what's going on in this film. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, di- I didn't even think about it, but until you said it a little bit just then, but as far as he knew, the dinosaur was still on that island if it survived. So him being silent was protecting it, which is yeah. pretty interesting. What about your most memorable line award, Alex? All right, this happens, I think you and me probably, I, I feel like we had to have picked <laughs> awful lines because there's just too many good ones in like a short span of time. But mine is after the Futurians go to the planet where the Godzillasaurus is and a lot of the American uh, military people see it see it land and <laughs> dismissively, like, hey, I, I don't know military rankings, but the captain of the ship tells one of his, like, small little people, whatever they're called, I don't know. But he goes, let's just keep it as our secret. You could tell your son about it when he's born, Major Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> Referencing that they're little green men, and obviously that his son grows up to become Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a great line. That was it a great makes line. makes no sense. It was like the... You know what? For a Japanese audience, it was probably hilarious because they got it in subtitles. And so right. they didn't get that horrible delivery that we did. <laughs> so maybe it was really funny in Japan, but it was not. It was horrible. I mean, it was funny, but just not for the same reasons. Right. Well, Alex, just like you couldn't think of the name for a soldier right there. <laughs> <laughs> They're called soldiers. No, no. Is it a soldier if they're on a Navy ship? Aren't they called something else? I don't know. Oh I don't know, gosh. Alex. But uh, I like the line. This is, again, uh, from one of those soldiers, I guess. It says, looks like that island needs scientists more than American military people. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, maybe we should just start calling them military people, Alex. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I had a runner-up line for you, Eric. Okay. I'm not going to tell you when it happened. I'm just going to give you the line. It's even bigger than before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that has to be. That's in reference to the new Godzilla. Right? <laughs> I'm leaving it to your imagination. But okay. <laughs> yeah, it's Miki talking about the new Godzilla. <laughs> what about your can't believe that acting award? Um, mine's gotta be Emmy. She sells the role and she's like really interesting throughout actually. And she's like betrayed by her fellow Futurians. But what I couldn't believe acting wise was how she sold the romance with Kenichiro. <laughs> like yeah. I was excited for them only for it to be re- revealed in the final moments of the film that she's actually his great, great granddaughter. I was, I was excited for them too, Alex. And I was like, <laughs> what happened to, you know, what happened to Teresawa's kind of girlfriend at the beginning? Yeah, I know, <laughs> you know? right? I was like, I, I was like, you know what? These two actually work. And then that reveals like, oh, well, <laughs> then I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure what the laws are on that, but like, it's probably no different than like second cousins getting together. So <laughs> maybe it's okay. <laughs> yeah, we are from Kentucky, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Uh, I just wanted my fi- I just wanted my favorite Godzilla romance to end in a happy note. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What about uh, you, Eric? So I'm I'm gonna go with Kosoki Toyohara as Kinichiro Terasawa. 
say that five times uh, fast, Alex. Uh. <laughs> but uh, as a performance, Togahara influences Terasawa with a calm innocence. You know, Terasawa is our writer here, but he brings that calm innocence that feels really believable throughout the film. He's got that smile that brings an ease to the performance um, that made that character sympathetic and relatable. Like I was cheering for him the entire time yeah. in his romance with his grandma. <laughs> that was his granddaughter. His granddaughter. Oh man. His, yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> Don't make it weird. You, there. No, no, Alex, you, Alex, you missed the romance with his grandma. Apparently. But oh, that was, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you missed that. That must've been but, the extended cut. I missed. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a secret one. It's only for nerds like me. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I was cheering for him throughout. And I just, I find, I found it really ironic that he was finding himself in this story that he was trying to get away from, but really getting into it, you know? So yeah. I, I, I liked his performance throughout. Yeah, I did too. What was your uh, standout effect award? So my standout effect was, well, first of all, there's just so many awesome miniatures here um mm-hmm. but one of them that really stood out an effect a monster effect that stood out is when godzilla falls through the building with the cameraman and reporter in it yeah. and one of his spikes just goes crashing through the window it made me feel the size of godzilla yes. um, and that was a standout effect for sure what about you yeah, yeah, I, I like that too and there's a lot of cool moments where you really feel the size of godzilla in this one uh, yeah. But mine is actually from a similar section, and I really like it. it. It's a small, it's a smaller detail. It's actually when I guess it's actually back when Ghidorah first shows up. He's not Mecha. He's not good yet. He's bad. So he's just flying around doing his blow the city up thing. But there's a particular shot of a couple buildings where they split. Like, uh, Ghidorah's lightning goes through them and they split in this like really cool yeah. way right before they explode. What I really like about it is that with miniatures, they're just blowing them up, obviously, and then they're adding in the, the I guess, Ghidorah's lightning mm-hmm. afterward. But the way it splits and the lightning goes through it, it's, it's really convincing and it feels like real. Like the yeah, miniatures sure. feel real. The lightning going through it, destroying it looks really good. I just really liked it a lot. That's good. What about your, oh, that's a good shot award, Alex? Um, So for me this week, I actually had a harder time finding a shot that I was like, oh, wow, that's really good. Aside from like the standard Godzilla versus King Ghidorah in the distance where you could really compare their sizes and King Ghidorah's way bigger. I always love those shots. Those like title match shots, I feel like that's what maybe we should call them. So... I decided to go with something else. And it's a shot when Godzilla first comes to shore and he's walking really far in the distance and he looks absolutely gigantic. And I think actually the, the scale of him is probably mm-hmm. done incorrectly, but it makes him feel so big that like you could tell this, this Godzilla, he's on steroids. He's been hitting the gym. Like his, <laughs> his new year's resolution isn't to go to the gym. Cause he's been there. Right. So, right. That's where where Mickey says that he's bigger than he's, before. He's even bigger than before, and and he <laughs> is like he. You look in the distance, and trees look like they're almost nothing to him in the distance. Right. It's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my 
oh, that's a good shot award, is similar to kind of your award and to my standout effect award. And it showcases the size this time of Ghidorah. And it's during the dogfight between the Japanese fighter planes and Ghidorah. We get one really cool shot that has both Ghidorah and the jet in the frame at the same time, like Ghidorah is chasing the jet. Yeah. Um, and we see the full size comparison. I was just like, that. that's cool. That's it, really cool. <laughs> it is cool. I think it's interesting that you and me really like it when we get a sense of scale of these monsters. It's important. Like, I think that, I, I think that's important for, for these films. These are monster films. We want that threat, right? Right. There's a, there's a weight to that. And, and that was one of our complaints going back to, son of Godzilla, you know, where there just wasn't that sense of scale that we felt there was nothing to compare Godzilla with. And so it made it feel like guys in suits versus a giant monster. (laughs) So I think it's important. I think it is too. What about your rating and ranking? Or do you want me to do it first? You want me to set you up? (laughs) Well, as long as you rate this film out of five stars and not 10, (laughs) I want you to start. (laughs) I did do it that way on purpose this time. I set it up my star rating to be out of five. Thank you, you Eric. So I'm actually, I'm really high on this film, actually. And it still doesn't top my Godzilla list, but it's in the top ten for sure. And I'm just not sure where yet. Uh, The film incorporates all these wild Showa-era-like ideas while delivering it in what feels more like a Heisei-like tone. And it turns out it's a pretty good mixture. The increased production values really sell the final battle. It sells the scale of these monsters. And it really makes Mecha King Ghidorah look awesome. And we just get all these characters that we really like, which is really unusual. Like, when's the last time we had four characters that we really enjoyed? And we also get a ton of cool moments that go from Godzilla killing Shindo to... Mecha King Ghidorah's arrival to just everything M11. I mean, we all, <laughs> like, what's not to light? And it does sometimes feel maybe a little too jumbled, but it doesn't fall flat on its face. And it easily could have. And with that, I, I'm going to have to give this one a four out of five for me. Nice. nice. What about you? Yeah, I mean, so that is pretty, that's pretty up there for you, actually. But I like that, Alex. No, what, what you're saying makes perfect sense to me. And I think if you go into this film with the wrong expectations, or maybe not the wrong expectations, with a different expectation, you might be disappointed, right? Like we've had the return of Godzilla and Godzilla versus Biollante, both of which are pretty self-serious films. If you're not ready for a little bit of a turn in tone, a little bit of wackiness, <laughs> you're, you're probably not going to enjoy this film. It's like, you know, I heard some people critiquing a couple weeks ago when we got that, uh, leaked footage of Kong versus Godzilla. Oh yeah. You know, people were complaining that that can't be real, right? That can't be, that's not possible. Like King Kong and Godzilla can't fight on a carrier, right? (laughs) It's like, well, come on. Have you, have you seen these films? Right. Have you, have you been watching these films? It's like, this is kind of what it's about. In my opinion, like it, it, King Kong versus Godzilla should take that approach the entire film, right? Yeah. Don't take yourself seriously. Just have a lot of fun, a lot of cool monster action. Definitely don't take yourself too seriously or you're not going to have a fun film. <laughs> I think you're <laughs> you know? right. But sticking with this film for a second, the Hisei films are actually staying pretty consistent for me. 
for how I'm enjoying them. Um, now, none of them have been these transcendent motion pictures that reach the heights of my favorite show era films. But all of them, including this one, have been very solid three and a half out of five star movies. Um, yes, the plot of this film is a little wacky. Uh, and I definitely understand complaints about pacing. But I love the characters we get. When I was choosing the coolest character, there could have been four solid choices. Terasawa, Emmy, Shindo, and Emma Lovin. And it's a credit to the film that you can really pick out those four distinct characters and say they're all standouts. The monster action was also some of the best that we've come to see. Mm-hmm. Mecha King Ghidorah as a good guy made me love the three-headed monster all over again. Uh-huh. So I actually rate this one over Biolante from last week. Um, so it sits behind Return of Godzilla in my overall list in the number seven spot, but two ahead of Godzilla versus Biolante. I'm still waiting for a Heisei film to crack my top five, but we'll see. Yeah, man. That's good, Eric. I was wondering whether you would like this one more or the same as. I didn't think you would like it less, but I'm glad to see that Heisei has been consistent for you. And I'll, well, I'll be interested to see what we're doing next week, or what you think of the one next week, which is Godzilla vs. Mothra, the battle for Earth. So what was your question for next week, Alex? Uh, my question for next week is, when Godzilla is hit with Mothra's pollen, Will it be like last time and he be fallen? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, all right. Here's here's mine, Alex. It was a stretch this week, okay? Yay. It was <laughs> kind of like yours are every week. Yes, exactly. <laughs> here's mine. In Godzilla vs. Mothra, do the fantasy elements bother? Uh, <laughs> what was your last word? <laughs> It was a combination of bother you, but I just put it together as bother. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm so uh, glad you joined me, Eric. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the more out there, the better is what yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. You know, as, as always, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at MVM underscore pod. On Letterboxd, we have individual accounts at Al Cornette and at Mr. Eric Neely. And of course, email us, especially those we got it wrong mistakes. Email us at mvmpod at gmail.com. Yeah. Until next week, Alex. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And you can watch this film on one place, Voodoo. You can rent it on Voodoo for like three bucks. So it's easily accessible. Voodoo's on everything. Go find it, people. And so until next week, try, try to, to stay, stay alive. <laughs> That reveals like, oh, well, then I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure what the laws are on that, but like, it's probably no different than like second cousins getting together. (laughs) So maybe it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, we are from Kentucky, Alex.